Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today is a very special moment for Steph. She grew up a big softball fan as a kid, and we get to talk to one of the all-time great softball players, Leah Amico. You guys, I remember watching her play in the Women's College World Series when I was a kid, which actually inspired me to want to play softball in college. Leah is in every Hall of Fame there is and won three gold medals in the Olympics. Not only is she one of four women to ever do that in softball, but she actually won her third gold medal as a mom. Yes, and she had some great stories to share, including what was it like to live with your competitors, or what I would call enemies, <laughs> at the Olympic Village. Apparently, Japan was quite sneaky. And then, what was it like to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated? And I wanted to know, you guys, what it was like when she saw her parents in the stands right after they placed her first gold medal around her neck. You guys, we can't wait for you to hear this conversation with an all-time great athlete and an all-time great woman. Leah Amico. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in Central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph, I know you're super excited. And you cannot wait to have this conversation. You just kept trying to go over like the pre-recording stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wrap it up. I think she's got it. I think she got this, Kevin. (laughs) Well, friends, our next guest is an author, podcaster, motivational speaker, and one of only four women to ever win three Olympic gold medals in softball. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Mrs. Leah Amico. Oh, Leah! Thank you. Leah. I'm excited to be here with both of you. I might be more excited. <laughs> I might be. <laughs> well, thank you for saying yes to us. And one thing, Leah, that you emailed me about was you just did 13 softball games in five days, I believe on the radio. I know you have a passion for softball, but is there ever a time, Leah, where you're like, okay, I've had enough softball. I'm sick of this. Like, I, I, I need, need to, break. I need a break. Uh-huh. No, you know what's so funny? I actually was with ESPN Plus. So I was doing the ASUN um, conference championship. So for TV, I guess online is is what that was. And I will be doing radio coming up for the Women's College World Series starting next week um, here in May. I know that this will air later. But I'm involved in so many different ways. I think if I'd only done one thing for so long, yeah, maybe. Maybe I'd get over it. But I do a little bit of coaching. I'm traveling the world coaching Team Israel this summer in different parts of Europe. And then I get to speak and share my softball story. So I think the fact that it's versatile and flexible and it's always different, that's what keeps me motivated by it. Okay. I had no idea you were the coach for Israel. How did that come about? Yeah, it's it's kind of a God thing. But uh, in 2020, right in the very beginning, right before the pandemic hit, I took a trip to Israel with one of my Olympic teammates, Dot Richardson. She's the head coach at Liberty University and um, a couple of friends and then a big, like a group of 30 something people from around the US, a couple from Canada. And it was just a Bible tour going over Israel and learning. Well, the head guy who ran the tour, his son is a men's fast pitch player and he knows the game and he's connected to and works with the Israel program. So actually it's the junior national team. So I have coached two summers. One was the under 22 team last summer in Czech Republic. And the year before it was 
Prague and I coached the under 18 junior national team. So this summer, heading back to Prague, heading to Canada for a tournament, and then I'll be taking the 12 and under Israel team to Italy. So oh my gosh. It, it's so crazy how it happened. Okay. But when you're practicing, do you ever get in the cage and take some BP or get out there and show them how to pitch or throw? Do you still get involved, Leah? Not not like full mode. Honestly, I'd probably embarrass myself, <laughs> but I do it in slow motion. Yes, of what I'm trying to actually explain to them. So I'm not, I'm older, you know, it's been a long time. I've been retired a long time now for almost 20 years. I'm not young anymore, but I can still talk it. <laughs> <laughs> so like I mentioned in the introduction, you're one of only four women to ever win three Olympic gold medals in softball. Where do you keep your gold medals? Do you wear them around? Because if it were me, Leah, I'd be wearing them to the grocery store, to church, to our kids' <laughs> t-ball games, right? Like, where do you keep those? No, I always take them with me when I go places, of course. That's why people want me. They don't want me. They want the medal. <laughs> I actually have them right here. Do I you? pull them out. I keep them, I keep them in a very safe, secure location, but I pull them out when I need them. And so here's my gold medals. When I travel again, I take them. I let people wear them. I get to really? feel how heavy they are, take pictures with them. But I do. I actually keep them um, in a safe because I know that if they get stolen, I don't know if they'll be as likely to replace mine as maybe a big name Olympian out there. So, so I have to keep them safe. Steph, good luck getting that through TSA at the airport. Do you just like wear them around your neck and walk through? What do you do? So I always pull them out. I have a little gold bag that I travel with and I actually pull out my little bag and I put it in its own container. And it's hilarious because sometimes they don't even look and I'm like, Oh, that person's not doing their job. Other times they're like, we just had to check this real quick. Oh, these are yours. Okay. Other times they're like, Whoa, these are so cool. Are they real? Like real Olympics. And so it's very funny to see if people like sports or not. (laughs) Do you have one that means more to you than the others? You know, they're all so different, but I would say um, my second one in Sydney, Australia, my first one was Atlanta, first Olympics ever for softball. So that was massive. I was a young college student. My second one was Sydney, Australia. And then my last one was Athens, Greece. So it's a, it's a tough one between Athens and Sydney, but I'd say Sydney is probably the one I appreciate the most because we actually lost three games and almost didn't even compete for a medal, let alone win a gold medal. So we were able to work our way back, get to the medal round. And then actually from there, we were able to bring home the gold. And so that one is the most scratched up. It's actually 28 karat gold on the outside of silver. They're not solid gold. They're silver plate or they're silver underneath gold plated. And so that one's like, it's actually been dented. A kid dropped it one time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so, and so with that being said, it's kind of the most like scratched up, but I'm like, yeah, but it was the hardest to get. That's what the, it was. It was scratched up in battle and fight to get this one. So it all makes sense. So probably my Sydney one. Steph, you would lose your mind. If you were, if I'm I was this TSA. Up. Well, TSA, but if, if you're at TSA. like an elementary school and you're showing this gold medal to a kid and he drops on the floor, you yeah. would lose your daggone mind. And like, oh, do you know what it took <laughs> to get that? Be gentle. <laughs> okay, wait. Go ahead. I, I have a funny, a funny story really quick. I was Please. <laughs> sharing with my, my son. I homeschooled for 13 years, but my kids did do like a three day a week program. When my youngest was in kindergarten, my next one was in first grade and my other was in fifth. And this little girl, while I'm sharing with the kindergarten class, is sitting there watching, listening to me, picking her nose the whole time. And that day I said, all right, we're just going to look at the medals. Nobody's <laughs> touching them today. <laughs> that would be that, me. Yes. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> That's very smart. Okay, so speaking of your boys, you've got three boys. 
looking at your social media, I didn't see anywhere where your boys play baseball. Is that true? Yeah. Do you blame your husband for this? Because I, I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure this hurts your heart, Leah. So, okay. So when they were little, of course, I had three boys. I wanted to have a girl so bad, but that was not, God had other plans. I begged, I begged God, especially for the third one. I was like three strikes, God. And, and I was like, okay, I just want healthy kids. And I, I, you know, you know, best God, even when I don't. So my first one uh, was born and actually I was still competing with team USA. And we of course tried every sport with him. He's our firstborn. The the funniest thing about my oldest is he is not athletic at all. He can't stand sports. He, he's Oh no. Whose child are you really? Right. <laughs> and so he's just very creative and loves history and really loves film and different things. So I was like, eventually we're like, all right, let's go into art, guitar, let's do, you know, film. Let's try to get you where your your strengths lie and what you enjoy. But it was funny because we tried every sport. So no, we we did try baseball. No, lost cause. So then the next one, Drew, my my 17-year-old, he is like super athletic out of the womb, like my my main athlete, you know. And he's three years old and I'm having him in the backyard and I got a tee and he's swinging and he looks like at three years old, he has this beautiful cut and mom, can we do another bucket? And can we do another bucket? I'm like, yes, you know, <laughs> and then he plays at, you know, four, five, six years old, seven years old. And he's like, I'm bored. I don't want to play anymore. I'm so bored. And, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, but then I was like, no, I'm not going to force my kid at seven years old to go out every day. If he doesn't love it, let's keep yeah. trying. We did karate. We did swimming. We did all the sports. Right. But Here's what ended up happening because I would watch him. We did soccer and I was like, why is he not more aggressive? I played soccer and softball. I was very aggressive in soccer. (laughs) So I was like, what's wrong? Well, he just didn't love it. Like it wasn't his thing. And so I was like, he's athletic, but it doesn't matter if you don't love it. So at 12 years old, he came begging us. Can I please play football? Can I please? Because we wanted to wait until he got a little older. Well, that was a sport he loved. And to this day, it's what he loves. He wants to, he wants to play college ball. And then my youngest, um, we never did baseball. He's more <laughs> ADD. Try. He's track and field. He's more like not hand eye. He's more like I, I don't know what's going on. Okay, I'll go run a race. He's in track now, so we're good. Well, Steph, her youngest is super fast. Like he sets meat records. Really? Doesn't he? He's doing hurdles, and it's crazy to me because he just sprouted up. He was not even very competitive, but it's literally brought this fire in him that I've never seen. And it's so cool. The passion that he has, the way he wants to beat everybody. He knows what his competition is running, but he's like, I stay in my lane. I focus on my, and yeah, he's, I mean, he's working his way up as a sophomore. So we're excited. That's awesome. At least they have the competitive edge, right? Yes, for sure. And that's what that for him didn't happen until he found his sport. And so I'm just so passionate about people finding their passion because it you can want it for somebody all day long, but if they don't love it, it's it's yeah. kind of pointless. Okay. So speaking of kids, we have three children. Our two daughters play softball. And it's the first time this is the first year they've ever played softball. So we've been watching softball on TV, and I'm sure you've probably been commentating on some of the <laughs> on the games that we've been watching. Can you please explain to me, because I don't understand this, Leah, the cheers. Every single college game I watch, it's almost like the commentators are interrupted by all these cheers going on in the dugout. And that never happened to me playing baseball, ever. So who constructs these? Do you practice them? Did you do this on the Olympic team? Can you please explain this to me? So it's, it is crazy, but cheers are definitely something about softball. It's special to our sport. It might annoy, like you said, people like you. 
<laughs> but it really is something. It's funny how our sport, and I think baseball and softball are kind of similar, but softball moves at a little faster pace of just the energy, the energy that you're feeling and like, you know, the enthusiasm. And so you get to college and they're like different types of cheers. I mean, you're still seeing them, but this idea is, is almost like you're kind of creating this like momentum and energy and trying to get things like going. Cause whenever you would hear like a quiet team, you almost kind of see a dead team in some ways. Right. And so that's part of it. When I got to the Olympic team, it turned to more like, hey, let's go. We got this. Probably more like baseball, maybe. Yes. And yes. it was Team USA. We had our different styles. So probably goes till about college, you know, but it is really specific to our sport. It's true. You still probably know your softball cheers because you we were one single, just a little single, <laughs> S-I-N-G-L-E, single, single, single. Baby, I could do the whole thing. You practice on the bus on the way to your games, <laughs> didn't you? Did. We just did cheers all the oh time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that wasn't us. It's fantastic. That was not us in baseball. Wait, did you go to the state? <laughs> exactly. We went to the state. You are welcome. Maybe we should have cheered. See, you should have cheered. <laughs> Steph, what is one of the most asked questions we get about tell us a good story? Uh, do I really get that excited? <laughs> Besides that one. Oh, how do we get all these incredible guests? Correct. Yes. And some of our best conversations have been with guests who our listeners have reached out to us and said, you should talk to this person. To name just a few, Nick Vujicic, Coach Tom Ryan, Carol Matika were all recommendations from our listeners. So if there's someone you would like us to interview and think they might be a great fit for Tell Us a Good Story, please let us know at kevinandsteph.com. You don't even have to personally know them. True, but do me a favor. Before you submit their names, please make sure they are still alive. <laughs> That has actually happened, and it is super hard for me to find their contact information. But regardless, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. All right, Leah. So for all of our guests, I like to give a list of fun facts. So listeners know what you've done, what you've accomplished, and Steph is not aware of any of these. Okay, so Leah, you're going to see her genuine reaction to this list of fun facts, okay? So if I get any of these wrong please let me know. And this is going to spurn some great conversation. Okay. And you're one of the few people, Leah, when I was researching, I actually had to cut these down <laughs> because you had so many accomplishments. It was just, it's ridiculous stuff. It is unbelievable what you're about to hear. Okay. okay? You ready? Yeah. In college, Leah went to the University of Arizona and played in not one, not two, but four national championship games. I knew that. And you won know how three. I, knew I watched all of them. Watched all of them. I was a huge Arizona fan. Oh my gosh. Your softball team at that level was so elite. Like, I think that's where my passion came from, just watching you guys play the game. Can you share the story, Leah, of your freshman year when you actually had the game winning hit in the national championship game? It's one of the stories that I share so much because it really, to me, was a game changer, literally, like literally and and just in every other way, like in my career, I feel like it was like a launching pad because it wasn't only something that happened physically, but for me mentally. And it kind of like set my sights so much higher than what I probably even was thinking or dreaming about. We got to the national championship game. Um, it was winner take all, which probably benefited us. UCLA, if it was best two out of three, probably would have had the edge. But we ended up playing against Lisa Fernandez, who was a senior, kind of just world's best. I got to win three gold medals with her. She truly is, in my opinion, the best player ever. And so she, your first inning, our first girl gets on really fast. They throw it away. They make an error. Shortstop makes an error. Next hitter moves her over. And then I come up and I'm not really a threat. I'm not a home run threat. I'm not a power threat, right? And I don't have the big name that a lot of the hitters behind me had. 
but I battled and I was consistent and I ended up getting a base hit up the middle off Elisa Fernandez. Um, she had me Oh two. I fouled off a number of pitches and then I got a drop ball to by my knees that I just hit a base hit up the middle and our coach was sending our runner all the way. She actually comes sliding into home plate is back in the day before the obstruction roll. Like you could block the plate, but the ball kind of just bobbled a little bit in the catcher's hand. So we score. Well, that was the very beginning of the game, but we ended up, our pitcher only gave up two hits. Nobody scored. We Lisa only gave up that one hit to me and we won the game one to nothing. And I was 18 years old and literally like, okay, I could die now. Like life <laughs> is good. I don't need anything else. Like this is better than and my friends at home are going to see me on TV. I'm 18 years old. Like, oh my gosh, this is everything I would have dreamt of. And then they said softball is going to be the Olympics in three years. And I was like, okay, that's my goal. <laughs> so it literally almost like it infused this new belief and goal and like higher, like I said, a higher mindset that I maybe didn't have prior to that. Okay. I didn't know all of that. I didn't know that was the only hit of the game. Yes. She pitched a one hitter. Wow. <laughs> and that was her freshman year as, as an 18 year old. Life changed. Life changed. Life changed from that moment. Mm -hmm. So here's what's fascinating. I did not know this stuff. So she won three national championships mm -hmm. in four seasons at Arizona. The one year that they lost, they lost to a UCLA team that then was later stripped of the title. Oh, so I don't remember. This. Leah, we can take this off the record if you want, but can you please share that story with Steph? What happened? Because the other team cheated or else Leah would have had four national championships. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we were really good. And, and UCLA had been the dynasty up until that point. And these players were the best. I mean, it really became us against them. And we had heard in March, like, okay, UCLA just got, you know, season started a month and a half earlier. And we we hear like UCLA just got this superstar pitcher from Australia. And so we're like, okay, like, you know, what does this look like? But we didn't, it wasn't on TV. So we didn't really get to see her until we see them in, in conference play. And then at the World Series, of course. And by this time, she is just a stud. Like, she is so good. Her name is Tanya Harding, which is kind of funny. Yes. Tanya Harding, mm -hmm. like, comes and, you know, try to <laughs> change things up. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get to Oklahoma and and we do. We fight a really good battle. We lose, I don't remember if it was like four to two or something like that. And and they win. And here's the thing. Number one, I will I have to just add this in real quick because a lot of reporters were like, What do you to our coach? What do you have to say? Like they have this picture, blah, blah, blah. And he just said, We lost on the field today. It, we had chances, we made some mistakes they were the better team today. He did not. I love that about him because that was a life lesson. Number one, don't ever make excuses no matter what, how good they might be. Number two, it came out afterwards that they had had three athletes that were on soccer scholarship. And so that, cause you know, you're like, how does one of the best teams in the entire country have an entire scholarship to bring this elite, elite athlete over? And so anyways, it came out that they had more scholarships than everybody else. Yes. <laughs> and so that's why they just kind of vacated it. So pretty wild times, but at the end of the day, like, like, I don't look back and go, well, that was ours or anything like that. It was, you know, it was a lesson learned. Wait, wait, wait. So do you get the national championship if you see if they strip no. UCLA? Nothing. No. So they vacated it and just nobody. Nobody won that empty. year. <laughs> oh. Isn't that awful? Crazy. It's kind of crazy. So I've never seen that before, Steph. This shocked me when I was researching it. UCLA literally needed extra scholarships to get some of these players. So they took them from the soccer team. Like, hey, you're not going to use these three scholarships. We'll use those and they'll get extra players for wow. the softball team. And that's what happened. And they brought in this pitcher from Australia, who was, I believe, the player of the tournament, oh. right? She was MVP because she was the number four hitter and best pitcher. And on top of that, you guys, she was a three-time Olympian for Australia. 
and won medals in the Olympics for Australia. And come to find out, she didn't attend school. She just came to play. <laughs> she was a true ringer. Shocker. What? Shocker. How good, girl, did it feel then when you beat her every Olympics that oh, you were I bet. in with her? Well, here's the sad thing. She ended up beating us in the Olympics. And I was like, oh, no. I mean, it's just, it was craziness. But they were Australia and USA. Like, we were always very, very, like, head-to-head with them. I mean, they for sure are one of the best programs in the entire world. So it was pretty funny. But in the end, we got the gold. So that's all that mattered. (laughs) Next fun fact. During Leah's career at Arizona, she hit in her career stuff Mm -hmm. over four seasons. Let me guess. The way you're acting is over 400? Yes. Is it really? Over four seasons, yes. 428. She scored in four seasons 253 runs, which was the second most in NCAA history when she graduated. She was also a three-time academic All-American. So she's smart as well, obviously. (laughs) And to this day, this is mind-blowing. To this day, Leah still holds the Women's College World Series record for batting average in a single tournament. In 1994, she hit 750. (laughs) So, Leah. No. When you go to the College World Series each year, is it always like, is this the year someone breaks my record? And has anyone ever even gotten close? Not even gotten close to Even close to breaking that. In almost almost 30 years now. So I've been going to the Women's College World Series since 2011 with Westwood once and commentating for national radio. And in 2010, right before I ended up starting with them, I was home watching Arizona's playing UCLA. And UCLA had a pitcher and Megan Langenfeld, and she was a stud hitter too. And she was the MVP and she was by far, she was, she did better than I did because just she, just everything she was doing. But she was heading into the championship game. She was right there with my record. I was like, oh, gosh, this is probably going to get beat. But you know what? It's been a long time. It was good. And her first at bat, getting a hit. And then I think her second at bat, she ties it. And she comes up. And at this point, Arizona has her number three pitcher I've never even heard of. Like, I don't even know this girl. So I'm like, oh, she's going to for sure get it. Because like this girl's not even as good as their starter that she got all the hits off of. Oh, no. And so I literally was joking. Like, I need to call coach and say, Coach Walker. Walker, so at least we'll tie. (laughs) And... And she ends up grounding out to second base. And I was like, oh, so bad, so bad. But I, there have been a couple of times now, not that close. Last year, I thought Jocelyn Allo from um, Oklahoma. I was like, she's, they're beating every record there is to beat. I'm like, I tip my cap. This is the year it should be beaten. Like she's going to do it if anybody's going to do it. And she didn't. I think she hit like probably like what, 690 or something crazy. So anyways, I kind of am expecting it. The way Oklahoma has been playing, I'm like, yeah. it's going to be an Oklahoma player. Literally, like I feel like it's any time now that it's going to happen. Oh That's my gosh. unbelievable. Leah's though. like fasting and praying every year that <laughs> no one breaks her record. I would. But you know what? That's the, like, honestly, I love and appreciate you so much for your honesty because that's how I would be. I'd be like, oh my gosh, strike out, strike out, yes. strike out. So I love that you're that way too. Still competitive. Yeah, I love that about you, Leah. That's Heck fantastic. Yes, okay. So, like she said, she was one of only four people to win gold medal in softball Olympics. She was one of only three college athletes at the very first Olympic softball team in 1996. Okay, so what was your first Olympics like? Leah, do you have any good stories from that experience here in the States, right? It was at Atlanta. Oh, I don't even think I have any really good stories. Like I, you know, it was, it was all so new and it was just like, I was this like kid just like with 
bright eyes of just like, where am I? Is this real? Pinch me. Like, is this a dream? Just kind of like looking at the older athletes, like, what do I do? <laughs> like, you know, um, one story that I tell a lot, because it, it just impacted me in such a powerful way was the it was the first game. So such a big deal, because there was so much leading up to this moment, all the women who have paved the way who never had an opportunity to compete in the Olympics, but represented Team USA in world championships, Pan Am games, but never the Olympics. And here I am, this young athlete coming up with this opportunity. And so it was like, I was just so grateful for what I was experiencing. And I was in, it was the first game and playing Puerto Rico and Lisa Fernandez is pitching. So again, that surreal thing. I'm in right field at this point. And I, my heart, I tell people like those butterflies were like monster mega butterflies, right? You know, like more than ever before. I was more nervous than I'd ever been. And just literally like, my heart's pounding and that first pitch is being thrown. And all of a sudden, this thought after that first pitch was thrown comes into my head. It's the same game you've played since you're a little girl. And I really believe it was God, like just speaking to my heart there. I don't think I knew it at the time, but I, I would come to recognize that later of like, it's a different stage. Yes. You're representing team USA, but at the same time, you still got a catch field, throw and hit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so after that moment, like, I feel like it was just like, okay, this calm, this peace, and then just like, let's go team type thing. I did split time on and off in that Olympics. I do remember some of our teammates talking to the Australians and I'm like, don't talk to them. I'm young, you know, but I'm like, <laughs> no, they're the enemy. Like, no, after the Olympics and we have the gold medal, fine. Talk to them then. That picture <laughs> over there, that's, that's the <laughs> devil right there. That picture right there. <laughs> They are the enemy. And I don't even, you know, don't be friends with them at all. They'll be trying to take our, you know, and then I remember the Japanese team actually, because we were in Columbus, Georgia. So we were actually staying um, at Fort Benning um, and it was just softball. So our Olympic village was just a softball village. And so um, the Japanese athletes, they were so kind. They were so nice, but they're funny. Cause I think they're like, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Like they were so nice to us that I think they were tricking us because they wanted to figure out how to beat us. And I remember them talking and I think I said something about my age or something. And they said, no, you're older. And I was like, no. And they had like, I don't know where they read it, but they had memorized all of us and information about us and our ages. And oh, our, wow. I mean, they knew. Yeah. And they were wrong. So I don't know whoever gave the information was good. But it's like, it's just funny. I just remember that pride of like, this is the coolest thing ever representing our country, you know? And then, of course, when we won it, like it, it was just absolutely surreal. And my college coach was there. Um, he became my coach for Team USA in my third Olympics, but Mike Candrea, who coached me at Arizona, I remember going up to him after and giving him a hug and just telling him, thank you for getting me here. Like mm -hmm. all the coaches who had poured into me, like got me to that point, but he took me to another level. And then one last thing, one last thing, sorry, it's long, but my parents, as soon as the gold medal was placed around my neck, out of 9,000 fans, all wearing the red, white, and blue, I turned to my parents in the stands where they were, my brother, my sister, my little nephew, who was one, with tears in my eyes, and I just waved right at them. And I literally knew I'm only here because of the support, the sacrifice, the just endurance that they had, and they allowed me to shine and thrive in my strengths, in my passions. And so I'll never forget that moment because that moment was one you dream about. But then when I experienced it, it was like I knew where to turn that glory in it and also to God. Uh, You're crying, aren't you? I am. <laughs> <laughs> was it the parents? It was the parents. Yeah. That's pretty special. 
All right, Steph, I'm going to test you again here. What is your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, it's the Bible, Kevin. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Very good. This time, you didn't say the book we wrote called You Met Her Where. But it's still a really good book. That is true. And it would make a great gift for friends or relatives on their birthday or for Christmas. Friends, you can order your copy of our book titled You Met Her Where at KevinAndSteph.com. And we will make sure to personally sign a copy for you or whoever you want. And as always, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. I have a question. Where were you when you got the phone call that they wanted you for the Olympic team? Oh, gosh, that's a whole nother crazy story. Things are so different now. You guys, we go back so long. Like we didn't have cell phones. I don't even know if we had email at this point, maybe just getting email. (laughs) So like it wasn't like everybody had it. I don't think so. This is so crazy. We have a tryout. There's like 50 some of the people for 15 spots, right? 15 women. You know, everybody's there competing for the same 15 spots. And literally we end on, you know, whatever, let's say it's a Friday. And they said, all right, at some point, you know, between tonight at midnight and tomorrow at 6am, it's going to be on this door in the hotel. So it wasn't a phone call. We were all there. And so some people were just roaming the halls all night. Not me, me and my teammate. She was also a college athlete. We both ended up making it, but we were like under our covers in our room. (laughs) We were too scared. And literally it was like the stress. Everybody handles it differently, right? The waiting, the waiting's the hardest. And this is the thing. I got a knock on the door probably at like 5 a.m. It was two of my Arizona college teammates who were going after that same dream, that same goal. Neither of them made it, but they came to my door to congratulate me and my other teammate, my roommate, that telling us that we both made it. And so it was this like sadness and happiness at the same time. So many dreams were crushed, but then a few dreams were realized. And I, I really couldn't celebrate. I called my mom and dad immediately. And what's crazy is it was like once they got excited, then I could be excited. But while my teammates that didn't make it were sitting there, I couldn't be excited. I'm getting chills as I'm uh-huh. saying this because it was so selfless. And yet they were truly genuinely happy for me in that moment. So th- those people are so special to me. I think it just goes back to what it really means to be a teammate you're not the center of attention. You're a collected soul. You're a collected body. And that just proves it right there. Right. Next fun fact. In 2004, as you can see behind of her, Leah was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. The August 30th issue had the Olympic softball team on the cover with the title, The Real Dream Team. Okay. So when that came out, Leah, did you just immediately run to Barnes & Noble, buy every buy copy? Every copy <laughs> because... I would be probably sending those out as like my Christmas card for that year. What was your reaction like when you saw yourself front and center on the cover of Sports Illustrated? Oh, it was really surreal. It was something that you like, we had heard they might, then we heard they were going to, and we just couldn't wait. And as soon as people were getting it in their hands, and I remember getting phone calls and people letting us know. So yes, we it was like, get as many as you possibly can. <laughs> like, go get them. So it, it really was amazing. Something that, and then it was like, okay, let's try to pass them around and people sign them and let's get everybody to sign them. And yeah, it was it was seriously so cool. All right, let's talk about that 2004 team. Okay. Okay, Steph, this was one of the most dominant teams ever to the point where if I were Leah, I would probably be feeling sorry for the other team because they were literally that dominant. Okay, so here's a few fun facts about that team. So they set records for that 2004 team. They had the most wins with nine. They won nine straight games during that Olympics. Their team batting average for the tournament, Mm -hmm. team batting average, 343. 
For comparison purposes, the USA team in Tokyo two years ago that won the silver medal, the team batting average was 216. Man. Their batting average, 343. Okay? This is going to blow your mind. In nine games, their team scored 51 runs. In nine games, they gave up one run. (gasps) In nine games. So their team pitched eight shutouts. And then in the gold medal game, they won five to one. That was the only run they gave up the entire tournament. So Leah, what was that like? Did they treat you like rock stars? Yes. Back in 04 with how dominant your team was. Oh, it's funny because in the Olympics prior, the 2000 Olympics, we actually lost three games and went through that struggle. The talk was all about, we had a 110 game win streak heading to the Olympics. So we were on all the news stations, today's show, that was all the talk. And then all of a sudden we dropped three games. And what happened was the the mound was uh, pitching rubber was only 40 feet from home plate and they moved it back three feet for the 2004 Olympics. So that is a big difference when you're facing the best pitchers in the entire world. But also what happened was we had Coach Candrea from Arizona then become our coach. I will tell you, he trained us and prepared us and was like, okay, the world has caught up. We need to take it to another level. And this was his comment to us heading into the games. We are not going into just win. We are going to dominate. And so we ended up, you know, gold medal game. I had been struggling, but I come up and I get a hit. And then Crystal Bustos just launches a home run. And I remember running the bases like, this is going to be fun. (laughs) And, you know, I come across it. And we did give up the one run, I think, in the fifth inning. And I'll never forget, after the Olympics were over and we're celebrating and we win, Lisa Fernandez said, that's all right. It's just something to improve upon in next Olympics. (laughs) Because we gave up one run. And it it was seriously phenomenal. I was playing first base in that Olympics. But I will tell you, Our preparation was everything that we ended up then taking everything to another level. I mean, we had a men's pitcher who pitched with us who could locate and spin the ball like most female pitchers can't do. So seeing that every day on a tour, we played harder teams on our entire tour. I mean, they just prepared us that much better in that last Olympics I competed in. Okay, so the three pitchers on that team stuff, (laughs) that only gave up one run the entire tournament. Lisa Fernandez, like she said. Jenny Finch. Kat Osterman. Ah, Kat. I was trying to think of the and third Lisa, one. And Lisa, like she said, probably the most dominant softball player of all time. Uh-huh. One of the greatest. Okay. So in that third and final Olympic Games, Leah was also the only mom on the team. Oh. So Leah, how hard was it to train and get back to an elite level in softball after having a baby? Yeah, it was it was hard. I will, you know, I'm not going to lie. So my first, um, I had my son, I took a year off. And so when I had my son, I ended up having emergency C-section. So that wasn't ideal. Cause you know, I knew like, I got to get back to training. I'm having this baby. I was active throughout, you know, going to the gym pretty much till the end of my pregnancy. And I'm like, Oh, that put me back a few weeks, right? A C-section surgery. So as soon as I was released by the doctor, I was out at the batting cages. I, literally, I have I have some funny stories about that, but my son was kind of falling out of the stroller, but I was like hearing him cry like, I got to take a couple more cups. And then I turned, I'm like, oh, oh, go save the baby, baby first. And you know, I learned really quickly, always drop a, a newborn into the stroller. And, you know, I mean, I have stories where I would take him out to the field and, you know, one time he's on the field and I'm out there throwing, someone's hitting me balls, I'm throwing to a, a chair because I don't have people to train with. And all of a sudden these bees start flying over to him in the little, you know, you know, in his little playpen. And I'm like trying to protect, you know, like rush to protect him. I mean, I have crazy stories, but 
it was hard, but it was so worth it. it. It really did take a village. In order for me to continue my dream, I had to have a bigger team behind me. And my husband, my mom, um, a family that literally took my son as his own and babysitting him while I was traveling, my husband was working, you know? And so it was this group of people who made it possible. And then I also took him with me. I had a friend who was in ministry and she was able to have some flexibility and I couldn't pay her much. I wasn't making very much, but she would travel with us and watch him while I played. And so it was a lot of juggling, a lot harder. I will tell you, when I got the, so I did it for three years leading up, right? And then the Olympic year is like a full year commitment. And when I was so excited to make the team, I was named to the team. And then I saw the schedule for the year and I just cried. And I was like, I don't know how I can do it. How can I be a mom and like still be this elite athlete, but but this much expectation and this type of a schedule. And I called a, a friend in ministry and he, he was so great. He just said, you know what, Leah, you know how you're going to do it? You're going to do it one day at a time and God's going to meet you each day. Mm -hmm. And, and it was true. We figured out a way it was hard. It was more juggling. I, I, it only took me a couple months to get back into the best shape of my life. But I'll tell you, I was throwing up big time those first few days and I Uh. pushed myself harder than I ever had before. And so when I got to that Olympic games, I knew I had prepared more than any other team probably now that I was a mom and yeah, it just all came, came out how it was supposed to. And and we were able to be successful. Mm. Well, Leah, I've got a good idea now why your son wants nothing to do with baseball after you shared that story. <laughs> like what you went through as a newborn, like, no, I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> That's a good point. I never thought of that. <laughs> it's like getting attacked by killer bees like, and he's good. falling out of the stroller. Yeah. Like no one's paying attention to me. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want anything to do with this sport. <laughs> If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. Leah hosts the Christian sports show titled mm-hmm. More Than Conquerors on the Trinity Broadcasting Network and serves as a college softball analyst with ESPN and Westwood One Sports. So can you tell the story, Leah, of the first time you were commentating on a softball game? Because I believe it took your husband talking you into actually going back a second time. Can you share that story oh, yeah. with Steph? Yes, it was a big deal. And it, I, this is another big life lesson because I was asked um, right around the 2000 Olympics to come and commentate and they'd flown, flown me in. I had never had any background. They were just starting to have more opportunities for people to do commentating. And um, I don't remember, it was one of the Fox syndicates that was having me do it. And and I was thrown into a really tough situation. I was like, even if I did it today with years and years of experience, it would still be a hard situation to be thrown into because you know I didn't know the teams and the, whoever won was playing and you're supposed to know the players. you know. And so anyways, I go into this environment and I feel like the guy that I worked with, like I didn't feel like a team. I didn't feel like he helped me any. I feel like I was in this island by myself. And I think you know, your first time is your first time, no matter what. But I right. just feel like it wasn't the best environment for the first time. After the game, I remember saying, they're like, okay, you're going to go down and interview the winning pitcher. Just ask her a few questions. And I was like, okay, awesome. Like, do you have any idea, like some main questions I should ask her? And they're like, he's like, like you're, you'll figure it out. And I remember just feeling like, oh, just like take the knife out now. Like, why am I doing this? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sure everybody can tell. So I walked away from that. Like, no, thank you. Don't need to do that ever again in my life. 
But then a number of years after that, like probably like three, four years later, I get a phone call from ESPN. And I, you know, I remember again, wanting to, I'm busy that weekend. Yes, I'm so glad I'm busy. I'm flying to Texas to visit my sister. (laughs) And now I tell my husband, he's like, my husband is the biggest sports fan ever. He works for Under Armour. Everything is sports in our family. He's from Boston. You know, those Bostonian fans. And he's like, Leah, you have to give this another try. He's like, if you hate it again, you never have to do it again, but you really have to give it a second chance because your first time you didn't know. And I was real with the ESPN people. I'm surprised they still wanted me. They're like, we will give you everything you need to succeed. I am so glad I went back a second time because it was a entirely different experience. Number one, even though it was years and years before, I still had one day of experience. And then I had a much better partner and I had a team of people behind me that knew I was new. And then I also reached out to people that could give me advice because they did commentating. And so I just learned so much. I was like, okay, everybody has to have a bad first time. And so anyways, I'm so glad. It's led to like, you know, I had to turn it down because I this year I was supposed to do regionals, but my husband, we had a 50th surprise party for my husband. And uh, and so I would have been doing that. So m- most likely I'll be back in the booth next year for regionals with ESPN. But like 13, 15 years later, I'm That's so amazing. glad I said yes that second time. All right. Final fun fact. Among Leah's many accomplishments, she's written two books and has another book coming out this fall. She's a motivational speaker and she's the host of her own podcast titled The Gold Standard Podcast and just recorded her 100th episode. So well done. Congratulations on that. That is a big deal, Leah. Huge. That is a very big deal. So can you tell listeners more about your podcast? Yeah. So I have a podcast, The Gold Standard Podcast, and it started out with me interviewing like pro Olympic elite athletes and hearing their stories. And I really broke it down to the acronym GOLD, stands for goal setting, overcoming obstacles, leadership, and dedication and drive. And so these principles that I really believe helped me not only on the softball field, but beyond. And so I was talking to these athletes, what does that stuff mean to you? What is the gold standard to you? How did you reach it? And I talked to athletes, not only that were the best in their sport of what they did, a lot of my softball Olympic teammates came on the podcast, but I would talk to them afterwards. How have you then taken those principles and applied them to everything else? Some in real estate, some in security, some I mean, different things, and they've seen success no matter what they've done. And then I, after interviewing a bunch of athletes, and I believe we had put out about 18 episodes, I started adding in some little 10 minute episodes that I just shared principles and stories of things that I really think impacted me and values that we need if we're going to be the very best at what we do. Because I really believe it's about how we do things, not just what we do. And so just excellence and striving for that and doing things the right way. So we got to 100. I'm taking a little break for the summer and kind of re-airing some, but I'm excited for um, more this fall, you know, when I get back to interviewing more athletes. Final question here. So in regards to professional athletes and elite athletes like yourself, what's it like when it's over? Because a lot of times their identity is wrapped in the sports. That's been their entire experience their whole life. So what's it like, Leah, when it's over? That is what's so hard for a lot of people. So a lot of people really go into this, what next? Who am I? A lot of people find their identity in it, a lot of depression. Olympic athletes, it's every four years. So then there's like almost this depression. But pro athletes, I mean, I talked to an MLB guy recently and he was trying to figure out what the next step was as he was, you know, retiring and he was always a role player and kind of switching a lot of teams. But he's all, I don't know what I want to do yet, but I know I don't want to suck at it. 
<laughs> it's like you've reached this pinnacle and you're the best. But now because you stayed in it so long, you kind of starting at square one when all these other people in the real right. world have had 10 years on you. Right. And so it's this tricky balance of what am I going to do and still have this like standard of excellence and be great at it, but I still got to have time to get the experience level. So it is hard for a lot of people to find out what that next step is. For me, I was very fortunate. My faith played a big role in like, I finished my career. I have three gold medals. I knew I wanted to have more kids. So I pretty quickly after winning my last gold medal had two more you know, children. And so I was really focused on being a mom. But the coolest part was I started having a lot of opportunities and was speaking just really short and quick things, going for a weekend and doing a clinic, um, you know, doing a little bit of commentating or that, that show that you mentioned, More Than Conquerors. We did that for about four or five years and we would feature pro athletes in their faith on this television show. And so for me, it kind of just morphed into like these different opportunities that came while I was raising my kiddos, which really was my number one focus as a mom. But I was like, you know what? I got to the pinnacle because my parents were there and poured into me. I want that for my kids. I don't want to be off chasing more and more of my dreams and going and doing all these things that, yeah, I could go do. I could. But personally for me, God really implanted on my heart, pour into them. They're the next generation and you'll still get opportunities to go do great things. Well, listeners, for more information about Leah, you can go to her social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram at Leah20USA. Also, check out her podcast, The Gold Standard Podcast, and you can get all of her information on her website at leahamico.com, and we will put all the links in our show notes here so you can click right on it and go to these accounts. Well, Leah, thank you so much, one, for saying yes to us, but two, just for being such a great role model Mm. for young women Mm -hmm. and ladies and everything you've gone through. God bless you for everything you've done and the platform that you use to reach others. So thank you so much for doing this. Kevin and Steph, thank you so much for having me on and just your show. I'm really a big believer that everybody has a story to share. And so thank you for for being those people that are leading in that area. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.